Okay, guys, welcome to my first official episode of my podcast. Um, this is going to be my, ment- my first mental health episode. And today I am with my, uh, one of my, I guess you can call him peer support specialists, and his name is Johnny. And the first question I'm going to start off today is, who are you, exactly? <laughs> well, that was pretty uh, confrontational and direct, but I guess I'll answer. Um, so, my name is Johnny Bartlett. I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, I guess the area. I work in the mental health field as a what's called an individual skills provider at a company called WCS. And what an individual skills provider does, it's a very um, abstract role, and I'm part in which I am part of a care team for individuals who have mental health issues. And my role is to kind of fill in the gaps for what like maybe a therapist or a psychiatrist or someone else couldn't do and help people learn skills. I generally prefer concrete skills to better their own lives um, in a very practical, uh, context. So why did you decide to, uh, want to help people? Well, I think it's pretty bold to assume that I help people. (laughs) Um, you can comment on that yourself. Uh, I got into this field because... I wanted to do something that connected with other people in a very direct way. So before I had this job, I was a Jimmy John's delivery driver. And before that, I worked as a copywriter at a security camera company. And that sucked and I hated that. I worked at home and I wrote product descriptions for wall mounts for various security cameras for eight hours a day. And I also wrote blog posts about camera technology. And I couldn't really see myself doing that for very long. So I got the hell out of there after getting in big trouble for not working that hard. And... Sent out a bunch of applications to more human services jobs. And I, I don't have a background in professional mental health or social work services. So, but this job doesn't require a master's degree or experience. I think because it's such a concrete sort of job where you're really just reaching out to other people in a very human way instead of a, uh, I guess, therapist or professional kind of way that I was able to get hired and do it. Uh, I want to do this sort of work because I like being with people one-on-one. I find human connection very fulfilling and worthwhile and something I can I can spend my days doing 
And I have a lot of experience personally with mental health issues, so I felt like it was a pretty good transition to work in that field. And I feel like that's that's really nice because especially if somebody's struggling from mental health and uh, they're really looking for just a job to just help other people, it's this is a good job just to get into just to be there for the people and especially if you aren't looking to go to college long term it's it's nice to be just like a small individual peer support specialist and get to know somebody or get to know people and of a wide variety and just help them become better people in general and better versions of themselves it's it's a really good job and uh oh Johnny, what do you hope to achieve of uh, being this in this job? Um, well, I hope to, one, fulfill my need for human connection in work. So I guess, you know, being around other people in a very direct context and Furthermore, I I hope to help at least one person, you know, after after I meet up with them for a while, they, they can look at their lives and say, okay, well, I think things are a little bit better after working with Johnny and his team. Uh, if I if I help one person, that'd be pretty good. I have a bunch of clients. I'm not sure if any of them really benefited from me. But I bet one of them has, and that would be nice. And I can personally say that I appreciate Johnny and what he does. And, like, even if not everybody appreciates you, it's glad to know that you're doing your best just to reach out to other people and do your best to just try to influence somebody else's lives and just make them happier as a human being. Thanks, so, thanks for saying that. You're welcome. So one of the topics that I wanted to talk about today is, uh, like, what is a big issue in mental health today? I think the biggest issue today in 2021 versus 50 years ago in 1971 is the widespread technological addictions that people have. And I think... That's an issue because humans are social creatures and tend to feel their best when in social environments. I'm talking on a whole, everybody differs individually, but um, what technology allows us to do is be occupied by ourselves you know you're able to binge a tv show you're able to game by yourself you're able to go on tiktok by yourself for hours and while it's really good it it makes us it, it satiates our desire for stimulation and in a way i think that is ultimately harmful in in its capacity now. So there is this study, I read about it in Time, and they talk about, it was a study on long-term happiness. They studied a bunch of people for, I don't know, 
40 years or something, and they found that the largest metric that indicated long-term happiness was people's relationships with other people. And it had a p-value of 0.5, which statistically is ridiculous, really high. And if I think if you think of human history in, in a long term, for about 60,000 years as a species, we were hunter-gatherers. And, in a, and that's what we evolved to do. We evolved to run around, look for food, and kill things with a group of about 100 to 200 people that we knew for our entire lives and survive and thrive in the natural world. And I, th- and we needed each other to survive because lone humans could not make it on their own. They would die. And I think si- since we evolved to be social, to survive, I think there's um there's a you know chemical reward system that results in ultimate f- in a sense of fulfillment and peace when you are with a group of people who you care about and who care about you, you know, even if it's just to survive. And I think, and even 50 years ago, you know, there were three channels on TV. There's the newspaper, books, radio, and those are all good. You go to the movies, but ultimately you had to be with other people more because there just wasn't enough stimulation and now you see the rise and ultimately takeover of smartphones and every other type of stimulation in our lives that allows us to not need social interaction and when we don't have that uh i think we tend to isolate and and that's when a lot of things like depression and anxiety start to kick in is because we are isolated and increasingly so as people. Now, that's not to say that um, people, that there aren't other causes of suffering, that phones are evil, that television's evil, games are evil, social media is evil. I'm not saying that necessarily people suffer for a variety of reasons um you know tragedy trauma inherent mental illness i'm just saying that isolation exacerbates uh already negative feelings that people have and even causes them if they weren't necessarily already there in people who might not have suffered otherwise. So I think that is the big issue in mental health that, you know, the developed world has to deal with now is increasing isolation. And you see it especially in seniors. A lot of like old people complain about isolation and their deteriorating mental health. And I think very old people and very young people are dealing with that. And as someone who's 25, I think it's kind of interesting because it's especially poignant for me because it's very hard to make friends after school. 
And when there are other options, when I can just, you know, watch the new season of Big Mouth or, you know, go out and try to meet someone, you know, watching watching Big Mouth is funny and easier, so I don't reach out to meet people. And I think there's a large sociological phenomenon of young people not reaching out because it's hard and there aren't as many social outlets because there don't need to be. And I think that's where this big rise in mental illness is coming from in our current system. Not that not the mental illness was never there, but it's being widely exacerbated by isolation. Yeah, I I tend to agree with uh, Johnny. The um, kids nowadays just not just kids. It's just anyone who owns a phone and has just the common knowledge of technology and social social media. I agree with Johnny that um, it's just so easy to get attached and addicted to social media because it's it is true it is easier to rely on social media and just watch shows and watch YouTube videos, uh, get pleasure out of something else that isn't a social interaction, even if it's over, even if it's just talking over the phone. And as human beings, I, like I said before, I tend to agree with Johnny on this, we need to, like, go outside and, like, have physical human interactions with human beings, because without that, it's, it's, um, it's, uh, kind of deteriorate, deteriorating our mental health, and because we're not getting those those uh, stimuluses in our brains or whatever it's called, the the white feelings for us to just feel happy, because we're we're so busy watching funny videos, uh, we're just so busy getting caught up in social media, and. Just things that make us upset and things that make us happy and things that make us all make us feel a bunch of different emotions. And we we never have a chance and we never allow ourselves to open up to somebody and find the people that we need to talk to. Not over the phone, not by text, but we need to find somebody like it doesn't have to be like a therapist or anything, but just like find a friend that has some common wisdom about life, that knows mental health or just the problems that you're going through and just talk to them about your issues and how you're feeling. And I can guarantee you if just people just started opening up and just accepting some of these things they're going through and just try to change themselves change themselves to be better, um, I, I can guarantee you... Uh, mental health would be in a much better scenario if we can just get some uh, human interaction and just we just start to talk to people more if if that's why I think like it's also the fact that um sorry I'm just blanking out right now um phones are allowed to kids at such a young age you know when I was a kid I I didn't I didn't have a phone I, I didn't get a phone till, till I was, like, 16, and even at that, I think I was pretty young. My siblings didn't get phones till they were almost 18, and I see kids now that ha- that are, like, 10 or 13, and they have iPhones, and 
that that causes them to be more addicted to the phone and then they pay less attention to their parents doing chores, going outside, playing sports, and then they go through so many mental health issues and then it just has a cause and effect. It's like a butterfly effect. They get a phone and then it just causes so many other things in their lives to just be messed up and then they just aren't the same. I'm not blaming it all on phones. I don't think, like Johnny said, phone isn't the root of all evil. But if we just don't pay attention or believe everything that we see in social media, things could be a lot better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are all great points, Garrick. And... Yeah, we're really entering a new era as society of permanent technological fixtures in our lives. And even that the way primarily some people interact with the world around them is through a screen. And I think in the next 50 years, if we don't all become superhumans attached to the AI consciousness that governs the the world that there will be this um movement to movement to get rid of smartphones and people will start setting up communities in which there's very limited technology and they'll raise their kids in communities with very limited technology i'm not saying none because you know you need it to work, but there'll be a very, I think there'll be intentional communities starting to set up all over the world and where people not like weird, weirdo hippies that, you know, just do acid in the desert and don't really have job, but people like regular, not that those people are, you know, not cool. I'm friends with some. And, but people with, like, jobs, middle-class people with kids and jobs who want to see more community in their lives. And in order to do that, I think there's going to have to be an intentional putting aside of, of phones and addiction within a certain context and I think we're going to start seeing that happen in the next 10, 15 years. So, to problem solve this, like, how do you think we can do this? Do you feel like we just have to, like, isolate the phones? Or, like, do you think... How do you see the just the world in general just trying to put, a phone, put aside phones and technology and social media... In order for uh, mental health to, to go down as a, as a society, well, I think it's just going to come from groups of people who choose not to be a part of, you know, the metaverse, as Facebook's calling itself now, uh, and who choose more limited technological options. I personally uh, have started a journey of de de-escalating my technological addictions by quitting social media, by, you know, I quit social media, Reddit, 
uh, TV, and what else did I quit? Uh, well, those are a few of them. In the last month, to reset the dopamine receptors in my brain that have become addicted to this technological stimulation, and I, I chose, I quit YouTube, I, qu I chose actively not to pursue these things and I think it has to come from an active choice. You know, there's this thing called light phone out there, which is just like a regular uh, dumb phone. Basically, it can text. There's a music app, podcast app, and they were going to have a GPS app because that's really helpful. I, I couldn't get rid of my GPS, especially for my job. But I think it's it's there's going to be more human-friendly technological options like that where you're not always connected to the internet. And I think it's just going to have to be conscious choices from individuals to recognize the problem of technology in their lives. And it's going to have to be kind of binary because a lot of these things are so addictive. You know, it's, it's hard to, you know, just smoke one cigarette a day for a lot of people. You get addicted. You want to you want to smoke a pack. And I think phones are like that. It's hard just to watch one YouTube video or one TikTok. It's it's an addiction, a very well documented addiction similar to, you know, a drug or some other sort of harmful behavior that in small doses is fine. But in large doses, is hard. So I think it's going to be had to be a pretty binary decision for people to actively not take part in various aspects of technology in their lives and then choose to do something else instead. And it's not going to be easy because companies that make and control technology profit off our addiction. You know, cigarette companies in the 60s weren't interested in people not smoking. Um, they made money off of addiction. And it's the same with companies like Facebook and Google and Apple and every other one of them. They profit TikTok. They profit off us being addicted to their products. That's why they make their products so good and so addictive. And I agree with you with that. There's there's a lot of people, like majority of people that have social media spend a good twenty four to forty eight hours a week on their phones, on social media, and it's not in general, it's like one app. Like they spend some kids spend sixty hours a week on TikTok, some people spend fifty hours a week on Facebook. And like you said about like the dumb phone, mm -hmm. like that's actually a good idea. You have to counter technology with technology. Don't make phones that you can easily get addicted to make a phone with just you have the necessities because music like yeah music is addictive but it's 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 not like a bad addictive it's something that you can you like use to cope something that people express themselves express themselves with and just make a phone that doesn't have all the addictive properties and that doesn't have the ability or the properties or the causes of people to just drive down the path of worsening their mental health. Just like no social media, no 
YouTube, nothing with like controversial, controversial biased topics on them. Just have like podcasts, like you said, music, GPS, and maybe like a clock on there, and then that like that should be it. And just to have a phone where it's just the life necessities you need on your phone mm-hmm. to just get through the day, and you will be fine. Yeah, and I think there's going to be more and more products and services that are geared towards people who don't want to be addicted to their devices coming up in the future. It's I haven't I haven't quite made the switch to Lightphone, which is one of the ones that I'm interested in just because it doesn't have the GPS, but once they get that, I'm probably going to try it out, and see how it works. But it's also hard because um, phones are really useful, and a lot of the world kind of relies on them now, but I think they're ultimately, in the way they're used now, harmful to us as individuals. Do you uh, have any other questions? Yeah, just one final t- uh, topic. Um, yeah. t- how do we as individuals move forward with uh, the chronic mental health I- issues? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the question right there. <sighs> well, it's I think it's figuring out on a personal basis what works for you to live your best life possible. And there are a lot of avenues that help people. So I have chronic mental health issues, uh, namely depression and anxiety. And the things I found that work for them the best are hanging out with my friends, meditation, and exercise. And I have a habit of all three of them. And they're not as much as I'd like right now. I'm injured running, so I'm not exercising as much. But I meditate an hour a day. I'm trying to work it up to two hours. Um, You don't have to do that. 20 minutes a day. Uh, There's a lot of studies that say 20 minutes is like the minimum to change your brain chemistry over a period of about eight weeks to where your anxieties and depression is decreased. And people will probably notice it. Uh, exercise, specifically 20 to 30 minutes a day of getting your heart rate up, of cardio exercise, is an evidence-based method that shows that it helps people with mental health issues. And again, that social element, I referred to that study I read about in Time, where people need friends. And I, I know that it's hard, especially if you're not naturally social, <clears throat> To make friends or if you haven't met the right people, but just people in your lives and spending face-to-face time with them helps. And I think there's a lot of um, other other methods that work for people with chronic mental health issues. You know, medication helps a lot of people. Um, and then I think going forward, we're going to see um, newer slash older medicines that that help people. So there's a lot of very, 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 very promising data with various psychedelic medicines that are 
vastly superior to what we have right now in terms of helping people. If you look at studies coming out of like John Hopkins and Yale with psilocybin, which is the um, psychedelic chemical found in magic mushrooms used in a therapeutic context has cured people's depression and anxiety for you know long periods of time you follow up a year after they're doing fine um mdma which is uh the you know chemical name for molly um has promising studies when used in a therapeutic context for curing ptsd not not just helping people deal with ptsd but actually curing it um as well as a drug like iboga, which is another psychedelic medicine, a little bit different than MDMA and psilocybin, that um, there's been some studies on it recently where I think this is right. It helps people with addiction mainly by like scrubbing the opioid receptors in your brain, where people who were addicted to heroin uh, took it in a therapeutic setting and they had no withdrawal symptoms and like 70 percent of people were sober a year after doing it which is wildly and incredibly successful compared to current methods of helping people with heroin addiction which are about which 15 percent successful something in that range so I think there's a lot of, and a lot of these, so psilocybin therapy has been approved in Washington and Oregon, for, and that will start in 2023. So we'll see how that works. Um, MDMA, all, a lot, so a lot of these are, are getting enough evidence and support behind them where they will, I think they'll be scheduled by the F, FDA to be federally legal just because they are so effective and especially as mental health issues rise in public consciousness i think these will be commonplace enough methods in the future for helping people deal with these issues but they're they aren't some sometimes they're magic bullets but they're they're lifestyle things that we have to do as well in order to deal with mental health issues. Like I said, exercise, meditation, and social interaction, I think are the big three in my life that help deal with chronic mental health issues. And where medicines can be life-changing and helpful, ultimately integrating habits into your life that are healthy and natural for the way that humans are evolved to interact, I think are equally, if not more important than, you know, entheogenic plant medicine, uh, SSRIs and different medications that ultimately it's a lot of lifestyle that I think will, that, that helps people with mental health issues really live the best that they can. Yeah, a lot of it just has to do with putting yourself out there, finding the right coping, healthy coping mechanisms for you that can just 
make you feel healthy. You know, the probably one of the best, if not the best, coping mechanism being out there is exercising because getting fresh air, you know, and putting energy into the body and releasing energy is really good dopamine for the brain. Or by releasing dopamine, I don't know what it is. But um, just putting yourself out in the open, getting exercise, that's really good. You know, meditation is really good. Being mindful is really good. Uh, just making sure you're making the right decisions in everyday life. Uh, that that can help a lot, too. Um, just talking to people in person and opening up about your problems. Uh, that, that can just help a lot for you, too. Just, you know, nothing can have a better feeling than just talking to somebody uh, about your emotions and them accepting you for who you are and uh, them just helping you through your problems and um there's other ways i'm not that that i'm I'm not that known of the wide variety of coping mechanisms as johnny is but just look some look some coping mechanisms or some research coping mechanisms so just something, look it up on uh, Google or something uh, or the internet and just see like, hey, what are the best ways or the best options that I can do for myself that are healthy that I, so that I can be become a better version of myself and that I can be happier. 100%. That's a great, great way of looking at it, Gary. And I think you got a good mindset and I think you'll, uh, you'll do well. Okay. So thank you for having me on this podcast. This is my first podcast I've ever done, and I am very grateful to be here. Yeah, thank, thanks uh, for being on my podcast. Yeah, of course. All right, stay tuned for the next episodes, guys. Um, yeah, this podcast yeah. is going places. Thanks for tuning in, guys, and I appreciate it if you got it this far. Uh, stay tuned for uh, the next upcoming episode. I think I'm doing one with my dad on fantasy football. Um, on Saturday or Sunday. So stay tuned, guys. Thank you.